I'm Hannah Garland, mom, wife, formerly overwhelmed human being, and I believe in living an uncommon life. In my uncommon life, I know I'm not meant to be a perfect person, but I am meant to be a peaceful one, free from anxiety and unrest. In pursuit of this purpose, I live intentionally, making choices to take care of myself, simplify all facets of my life, and trust in God. Do you feel like it takes every ounce of your energy just to barely get through each day? Too often people, especially wives and moms, feel chronically anxious and unwell because they don't devote time to understanding what would truly bring them peace and joy. Meanwhile, they go through the motions and miss out on their purpose. I want to invite you to stop surviving and start thriving. Learning to thrive can be a simple notion. Sometimes it looks like getting through the day, but with more peace and fulfillment. Your uncommon life will look differently than anyone else's. My goal is to empower you with the knowledge to make choices for yourself that are beneficial for your mind, body, and soul. This is your uncommon life. Start living it. Hello, everyone. I am freezing. My room is about 60 degrees. We have been without heat, hot water, or a stove for one week. That's because we live where we rely on propane, and we accidentally didn't order propane. But it's the dead of winter, and Seattle is supposed to have up to like 20 inches of snow by Monday and several 20-degree nights. So, you know, wish me luck. The propane truck is supposed to be here by the 16th, which is a week from now. And in the meantime, I'm just freezing my bones off and really thankful for a fire and a wood stove. I've also had to get really good at cooking with my Instapot because it's pretty much the only way I can cook anything right now, except in the microwave. So if anyone out there has any tips or tricks on how to make things in the Instapot, I would welcome them. I'm struggling, but we're live, we're eating, it's all good. The problem will be solved soon, I hope. So that's my life update. It's really cold. Okay, on to the show. Today we're talking about screen time. If you're like most people, your smartphone is the first thing you check in the morning and the last thing you look at before you go to sleep. Most adults spend three and a half hours a day on the internet on their phones and check them 58 times a day. Can you even account for what you do during those three and a half hours on your phone or what caused you to check it 58 times today? I can't. That's what's scary. That's, that's time lost. Phones are things we mindlessly use and allow to fill our time and minds. We take them everywhere with us, keep our hands on them when we aren't using them, and use them on the toilet because we can't make it three minutes without them. Productivity in general drops as we let our phones interrupt us all day long with random notifications. In the meantime, we lose focus on what matters, like our family, every time we let a notification interrupt time that we are supposed to be spending with other people or doing something important. It takes an immense amount of willpower to delay responding when you see that notification icon staring at you from the lock screen of your phone. That's because most of us are addicted to our phones. 
Today's podcast is intended to help you reduce your screen time if you want to. You don't have to change, but I'll attempt to convince you that you should if you're anything like the average adult in America, or if you're anything like me. Now, I know that screens aren't all bad. We use phones for work, to stay connected with loved ones, and to use GPS when we're lost. Computers are also necessary and helpful, especially now with so many adults working from home and kids schooling online. But the cumulative screen time between necessary and unnecessary tasks is growing and does have consequences. Phones can be a huge distraction from more important things and can even gain a foothold in our lives when we let them consume our brains and provide us with constant stimulation. We also suffer both mentally and physically from everything from posture problems and eye strain to trouble sleeping and weight gain from being more sedentary looking at screens all day. However, there are ways to use your phone without letting it control you, your mind, and your time. I personally don't like how dependent I've become on my phone in the last few years. And I don't mean dependent for necessary things. I mean dependent like it's a security blanket. Like, we need to have it on us at all times. But it's a phone. It's a tool. It's not a friend or a security blanket. I know I can get to a place where I use my phone briefly, but then put it away when I don't need it. I've actively been working on this lately, and will share some techniques that have worked for me with you today. Ever since I started working to break this habit, I have become super aware of how often I pick up my phone. And it's embarrassing because it happens almost without my consent. You know, it's like the phone calls to me and I'll, but not like a literal ring. It's just like, it's like speaking to me and I'll just pick it up and open Facebook or check email before I even realize what I've done. How often do you pick up your phone to check random things or notifications that pop up without even really thinking about it? Start to take notice and ask yourself if that's how you want to live your life unintentionally, mindlessly, if that's the example you want to set for your children, you alone have the power to take charge of your time and your days and make sure your phone doesn't control you. It's about choosing to be different and setting boundaries with yourself and with others. Don't allow other people or your phone to take time away from your family or to steal your focus from something you need to do. Just because someone texted you doesn't mean you owe them a response right away or at all. It is okay to respond later. Just because strangers commented on Instagram doesn't mean you have to read the comments right away. They'll still be there later. Don't let them distract you from what matters. Every second you spend on your phone takes away time from what really matters, like your family or maybe an important task you're trying to do. Every time you let a notification interrupt you, even for a brief moment, you give it priority. Even if you don't check it, just hearing it or seeing it will make your mind drift away from being present and focusing. So set a boundary with your phone and how you interact with other people through it. Only you can draw that line and keep it there in order to protect your time, your mind, and your family. As I said earlier, I have been actively trying to reduce my screen time this year. It's kind of a resolution, though I'm choosing to call it a habit. Why am I working to break this phone habit? Well, I have several reasons or my whys, and I'll go through a few. First of all, I'm scared by the notion that I could be addicted to anything. Addictions mean something has power over you. 
I'm not comfortable with that idea. And I know when I let my phone interrupt me all day and take focus away from my child or my work, then I'm letting it control me. As a Christian, I believe that though many things are good, they can become bad if we let them have power over us. This is why, for example, drinking isn't forbidden in the Bible, but drunkenness is. Paul said twice in slightly different ways in 1 Corinthians that all things are permitted for me, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I love that word master. I'm the master. I don't want my phone to be the master of me. It's not wrong for me to use it, but I have to be in control over my use of it. So when I find myself mindlessly grabbing my phone and wasting time without even realizing it, or when I see a notification and can't resist checking it, I'm scared of the notion that I could be addicted and could be letting my phone be my master. The second reason I want to reduce my phone time is because I want to set an example for my child. I don't want my child to be addicted to screens. I don't want him to find a tablet more exciting than the outdoors or a TV more interesting than interacting with other people. People are often scared that their kids will become addicted to screens. Well, look at what the adults in their lives are doing. Is the average child's primary example an adult who is always on their phone? I want to set a different example, and I need to start now. Moreover, I don't want him to ever think that I value my phone more than I value him. If he sees me on the phone all the time, even when I should be interacting with him, then he might get the idea that I either care more about the phone or that it's okay to be distracted by screens when you're with other people. Personally, I don't think it's okay. I think it's impolite and rude, and I don't want to raise my kids that way. Now, I know I'll have to find a balance because there are educational things on tablets and much of education these days exists on screens. I understand that. Part of this is unavoidable. I imagine I'll have to employ the same techniques with kids as I'll prescribe later for adults who have to work on screens. There are ways to bring balance to your screen use so you aren't constantly glued to one, and we'll get to that later. Finally, I want to reduce my screen time for health reasons. Usually, when I'm on my phone or my laptop, I'm hunched over or looking down and my eyes are straining. Everyone's are, even if they don't realize it, they're straining. When I'm watching TV, I'm often slouching or laying down because I want to be comfortable. I'm not good about being vigilant about my posture while using these devices. I never have been and I probably won't be, but I can correct how often I use the devices. Additionally, I find that screen time begets screen time. Here's what I mean by that. When I used to spend all day on my computer for work, I felt drained and tired despite doing very little all day. There's something fatiguing and demotivating about screen time. I was even more likely to zone out and watch TV or scroll on social media when work was over because I felt like I didn't have enough energy to exercise or get outside. It's like screen time leaves a fog on my mind and I have no willpower left to do non-digital things. On the flip side, I find that productive non-screen activities and time spent in nature reduced my desire to be on my phone. When I reduce my screen time, I'm more likely to be active and therefore to do things that are beneficial for my health. All this to say that 
I don't have this all figured out yet, but I feel like I have my whys figured out, which is key to making any long-term habit changes. If you attempt to correct a behavior like phone use, without a solid understanding of why and what your vision is, you're probably going to fail. Since I have a clear vision, I can create a plan to achieve it. Since I started six weeks ago, I have made baby steps and have seen progress. I know I'll succeed in the end because I know how to build habits. But for now, you all are along for the ride with me. For a deeper discussion on habits, listen to my New Year's Eve podcast called How to Build Habits That Last. I think it's episode nine. I encourage you to figure out your whys. And then we'll dive into tactics and techniques you can use to limit your screen time. It's not as easy as just putting your phone away or installing the right app. If it were, you would have done it by now. I originally thought that succeeding in breaking the phone addiction could be possible if I had the right app installed. There are apps that help reduce screen time for you or your family. Some of them will lock your screen after a certain period of time or encourage you to take meditation breaks. I think they could work for a lot of people, but I have personally found that unless I have an internal drive and reason to change and understand my whys, then apps telling me to change will not make me change. Here's an example of why I think that isn't useful motivation to change. For example, if I needed to lose weight, but I was addicted to food, so it was really hard, and a doctor told me, you should lose weight, try putting a lock on your fridge. How quickly do you think it would take me to remove the lock from the fridge or just order delivery food? If I'm addicted, I'll do it pretty freaking quickly. External motivation is not a strong driver for change. So if I'm addicted to my phone and I'm using it when all of a sudden it locks up because an app tells me I'm done with my phone, I'll just disable the app. So the behavior shifts I'm sharing today go beyond relying on external motivation. I will be sharing what is working for me to get to the root of the issue and to break that addiction to the phone. We will be starting with extracurricular phone use, not tied to work or school, because I think that's the easiest area to tackle. It's essentially unnecessary phone use. And then later we'll move into how to bring balance to your work and school computer or phone use. Because phones are such an addiction, seeing them and carrying them around with you can make the temptation to interact with them so much stronger. Recently, I realized that it was super weird how my phone always went with me everywhere and how even when I wasn't using it, I was fidgeting with it in my pocket. It's not a security blanket, though, and having it constantly near me will only increase my phone addiction. This is why I've chosen to give my phone a designated place in my house. I no longer carry it with me. Simply not having it on me or within eyesight makes it so much easier to ignore it and focus on what matters to me. I recommend you give your phone a resting place and make sure that resting place isn't in the kitchen or wherever you spend most of your time. I like to leave mine in my charger. Another great place might be your purse. Wherever you put it, remember that the philosophy out of sight, out of mind works wonders in this case. Even having it in your pocket is too much temptation. I was just feeding my child for 15 minutes and my phone happened to be in my pocket. 
So I wasn't looking at it, but I knew it was there. And I probably had the urge to check it three or four times while feeding Calvin. Except there was nothing important happening on my phone that I needed to check. I was mid-text convo with a few friends, but that's it. The conversations could wait. But simply knowing it was there increased my temptation. However, when it's in the other room, I find that I start to forget about it and can truly focus on other things. So consider where you can put it, where you'll hear it if it rings, but you won't see it or be near enough to be distracted by it all day. Of course, sometimes your phone comes with you. That's just life. But most of the time, try to leave it in its designated location. Another thing I've done is to shut off notifications, like all notifications. This includes work apps. When I used to work, I did not have email or chat clients installed on my phone because there were no real emergencies after work hours, even though people treat them like emergencies. And during work, I was on my laptop, so I was accessible when they did actually need me most. Everyone knew that if they really needed me after hours, they could call. Though they rarely did because, as I said, they didn't actually need me. In your personal life, the same philosophy can apply. So here are my phone settings specifically. Here's what's worked for me. I have shut off all notifications, period. That includes text, social media, email, whatever else you have. I did this slowly. First, I uninstalled my social apps and shut off chat notifications. That helped a ton, but I still found myself getting distracted. So this week, I shut off text and email too. If there was a real emergency, someone could call and my phone would still ring. You can set your phone to ring or vibrate, but shut off all other apps' notifications. The reason to shut off notifications instead of just putting them on silent is simple. If you are near your phone when you get a notification, even if it doesn't make a sound, you still see it. And seeing it will distract you even if you don't check it. You'll have to invest mental energy in resisting the temptation to check it. So right now, if I looked at the locked screen of my phone, all I see is the time and the photo of my cat in the background. It's awesome. And only if I opened my phone would I see what notifications I've missed. Which brings me to my next point. You can set times that you check apps and messages. This is what I talked about earlier. You don't owe anyone an immediate response. Just because someone messaged you doesn't mean they have a right to demand that you respond right away and you have to set a boundary and focus on your family or your business or whatever until you have free time to check your phone. If you set times that you can check, then you give yourself freedom to do what you need to do and focus until them, knowing that at 2 p.m. or during nap time or whatever, you'll get to being social on your phone. It's a boundary for you and for others to give priority to what you need to focus on and to let your phone stay on the back burner where it belongs in the meantime. You can set your phone to do not disturb or even airplane mode if you really need to be heads down and focusing. Sometimes instead of set times, I'll give myself little productivity goals. Like, I can check my phone after I finish this week's podcast or after I fold the laundry. That way, I give myself freedom to complete some task totally uninterrupted, and I have almost like a reward waiting for me at the end of the task. I do the same thing with TV. I tell myself I can watch it after I'm done with a certain activity, 
or I can watch it while I exercise. I watch TV when I exercise because it motivates me to stay on the bike longer. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Another game changer for me was phone-free time. I highly recommend that you give yourself regularly scheduled phone-free time each day for at least an hour. This could be a daily walk outside, dinner time, right before bed, or first thing in the morning. We already don't use our phones during dinner in our family, and I have also chosen to not look at my phone when I first wake up because I feel like what I do when I first wake up is symbolic of my priorities. The phone itself isn't bad, but if I give it the first fruits of my day, then I'm demonstrating that it is top priority and is my master, and not the other way around. My goal each day is to not check it for at least one hour after I wake, other than to check time because I don't have any clocks in my house. I feel like when I do pick it up first thing, I'm demonstrating that it's more important to me than anything else. More important than my kid, than eating, than reading the Bible, than having coffee with my husband, and more important than just laying there and taking a second to think about my day and to set priorities. If I fill my brain with other junk the second I wake up and prioritize the people who messaged me or the news or what's on YouTube or the strangers who liked a photo, then I'm not giving myself a chance to set my intentions for the day. I'm letting myself get swept up in other people's agendas. If you typically use your phone to write down your tasks for the day, try using a pen and paper instead. I always keep a notepad next to my bed for ideas. Worst case scenario, you write them down longhand and then transfer them to your phone later. Now, when you do have your phone open and are seeing your notifications, headlines, and social media, it can be easy to let a lot of time slip by. I'm particularly guilty of this on YouTube. You can mediate this with a timer. Set a timer or alarm for yourself for, say, 15 minutes. I don't know if my friends have noticed, but lately I've disappeared from text conversations midstream. That's because my time is up and I put my phone down to come back to it later. Your real friends will still love you if you don't text them back constantly and you don't owe anyone immediate responses to anything. Plus, the YouTube video will be there later, the news will be there later, everything will be there later. There are no emergencies here. And it's my choice to prioritize things other than my phone. Okay, now for those of you who have to work on a computer all day or have kids who homeschool at a computer all day. These things are facts of life. They're unavoidable, and I totally understand the dilemma of needing technology, but also needing to set boundaries with it. Though you might have to be on a computer much of the day, there are ways to manage your interactions so that you don't get screen fatigue. If I stare at a screen 100% of my workday, especially if I sit in the same position in the same room and remain sedentary, I become very unmotivated to do anything else. And I'll just look at my phone when I have breaks in work or as soon as work is over. Screen time begets screen time. So here are some ways to mix it up and keep screen fatigue at bay for both you and your kids. First and foremost, the moment you do get a break or your workday is over, do not reach for another screen. Get up, move, go outside. Do something physical, some kind of activity, even if for five minutes, before you let yourself get distracted or consumed by another screen. 
Give your brain a reset and your eyes a break and just move for a few minutes. On that note, as you're working, take calls standing, walking, or pacing instead of sitting in front of your laptop when you can. Not only will this help you be active, but it will reduce the amount of time you end up actually looking directly at the screen. Unless you're presenting something specific, you probably have the opportunity to walk a little. I just read about a woman who gets 23,000 steps in a day just pacing her living room during work meetings. I used to shut off my video and just go walk around the house. Most companies allow you to turn off your video sometimes. You're in the privacy of your home, so you don't owe anyone an explanation as to why you might not want to video it for your colleagues 24-7. Take the call on your phone and do what works for you. Pace your living room, take a lap around your yard, or go on a real walk around the neighborhood if you can. The most important thing is that you move whenever possible. If you have to use video, use it walking. Seriously, you can put on a headset, set your laptop on a table, and pace. Studies show that people are actually more alert and creative when they are walking, so if you think about it, you are helping your career and helping your employer. For you or your kids, take regularly scheduled activity breaks. Every hour or after every class, you have to move for five minutes. Kids can run around the house outside three times or do jumping jacks. Or it might be fun to take time to turn on one song and do a dance party in the living room. Just move for five minutes every hour. I used to do this when I was in the office. I could easily go all day not seeing the sun or not going outside, so I would intentionally get out of my chair, take one lap around the building, and then come back and sit down. The movement, the fresh air, and the light were so stimulating and actually made me more productive. On a similar note, Nature is the antidote to screen fatigue and therefore screen addiction. When I was working, I went on a run daily during my lunch hour, no matter the weather. The time outdoors and the activity was a huge midday reset that my brain needed to stay alert and productive the rest of the day. Make intentional outdoors time every day for you and your kids. Yeah, every day. If your kids are stuck at home these days, then they aren't getting a recess or PE. So it's up to you to create this structure. Not only are you taking them away from screens, but you are decreasing the chance of obesity and teaching them to have fun without digital stimulation. I recommend going outside even if you live where I do. We have wet, dark winters that people often use as an excuse to not set foot outdoors for several months. But a little rain isn't going to hurt you, and it's not healthy to stay inside for months. As the Norwegians say, there's no such thing as bad weather. There are only bad clothes. You just need to be a little more prepared. I was reading about how Norwegians suffer less from SAD or seasonal affective disorder, which is a depressive disorder that can come on during the darker seasons, despite the fact that they live in a very dark country with long winters. They combat it with daily outdoor time and ascribe to the idea that you should go outside no matter the weather simply because it is good for you and your health matters more than your own comfort. So put on your rain jacket, grab an umbrella, and go outside. Here's the catch. Either don't bring your phone at all or, if you must, put it on silent and put it in a backpack 
or someplace where you can't easily grab it. Don't cradle it or hold it in your pocket. Remember, it's not a security blanket, it's a tool. Then just walk without media, without distractions, just be in nature every day. Even a few minutes of this will be so good and centering for your mind. So extracurricular screen use, you can cut down significantly just by distancing yourself from your phone, let alone shutting off notifications and the other things I suggested. What is one thing you can start to put in practice today to ensure that you don't let your phone control you or take priority over what matters? Can you have an hour of phone free time each day or disable your notifications? The biggest game changer for me has been the physical location of my phone. Just leaving it somewhere out of sight all day makes it so much easier to ignore and focus on other things. Take back control of your mind and your time and keep your phone where it belongs, on the back burner. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like the podcast, the best way you can help out is to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can visit my website, youruncommonlife.com, to read blogs, find podcast transcripts, and more. Please join my Facebook group, Your Uncommon Life Community, to join a group of supportive people. 